This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Where did this ferocious determination out there today come from? The media. Everyone of Mordasov. This is Paper Talk, the Irish Examiner GAA podcast. Hello and welcome to another Championship Paper Talk. All hurling on the show today. I've just been onto the mother up in tip who says there's Claire Carr still driving around in a circle between Tommy Vara and Nina and Silvermines and back. And they're probably entitled to it after an emotional day in Thurless yesterday. It's the end of the line for Waterford 2 and we'll have Owen Cormacan on the line later on who was at the Gaelic Grounds yesterday. But first we've got Irish Examiner columnist Patrick P.M. O'Sullivan on the line. He was at Nolan Park on Saturday night. But we began by talking about Tip and Clare. Well Patrick, uh, I suppose emotional scenes yesterday at, uh, at Semple as the, the banner piled onto the field at the end uh, keeps them alive in the championship and a big day for their two managers really. Sort of deliverance for them almost. Yeah, I mean there were some wonderful photographs that circulated afterwards. Um, particularly the one maybe of Seamus Callan congratulating uh, the clear captain uh, Pat O'Connor. I, I think you know it's something that maybe has got lost uh, in some of the rivalry and in some of the, the big games. But like the Tipperary players have really conducted themselves extremely well in victory and defeat. In my view, going back to the 2010 All Ireland, and you know Shane McGrath acknowledgement for Henry Sheffield went off injured. So. That shouldn't be forgotten in the kind of winter of excitement and obviously the fact that Tipperary are done until, until next year. Uh, huge pain for the Clare management, the joint managers, uh, under a bit of pressure. I don't. I was down in Clare during the week, uh, last week, and I don't think there was a lot of confidence about the, that particular game or maybe about this particular team, but that's all changed. You know, you come to a game, it's often been said, but it's never less than true, you come to a game, you have to win it. And Clare had to win that game. And uh, they somehow found a way to do it. I think most would agree that Tip were misfortunate in many ways to lose on the occasion that they actually produced their best performance. But that's hurting. It's, you know, literally, as everybody has already noted, you know, a six-point swing, all hits the post at one end. One of the best championship goals we've seen in the 21st century. Then at the other end, I think it was 17 seconds later, I think John Foley said. So that's it. Clare in, minimum Ireland uh, quarter-final looks now and, and Tipperary are out but it's that brutal Larry Yeah and I mean you're, you're talking about the managers I mean Jerry O'Connor beforehand and you talk about the sort of the atmosphere in Clare but he like he was he was almost piling pressure on his players to do it yesterday and um, you know he talked well and, and very well about the, you know, the tragedy that's hit the county in recent weeks and you know urged them to sort of lift the county and all of that but like for long stretches of the first half, it looked like they were buckling again under that pressure. Your own line there about the A team came to mind about the you know uh, whatever plenty of shooting, but mystifyingly little little damage, you know. Um, and they look to be flopping again. Yeah, it's 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 going back. You know, you could go back to 
kind of the opposite scenario, if you like, in 2001. I remember being in a, a public house in England in 2001 watching uh, the match, uh, the most championship match that year when it looked like for large stretches of the of the game that Clare were the better team, but uh, Tipperary contrived to find a way to win it and became All-Ireland champions. And, you know, it, it really is that fine. Um, Clare really had to, had to win this. Uh, and, and, and somehow at the end found it. The A-team win, maybe a little bit harsh, but I think it is fair to say at the same time that over the years, Clare's shooting has let them down. And I mean, that was happening in the first half. They're really taking bad, bad options uh, at times. Uh, like there was one there that Larry, or sorry, that Tony Kelly carried into contact as he struck and, and put him off and, and went wide when normally you'd expect Tony Kelly to, to nail those. I thought on the other side of the equation entirely, I thought Ian Galvin's uh, little shimmy was like a kind of a matador's shimmy hmm. at, before he, 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 he struck the goal was brilliant. I mean, he just fixed. There was nothing Park Mark could do. He didn't do anything wrong. He just kind of fixed him in place, put all his body weight on his right foot and then stepped around him and buried it. So that was a, a great score, but um, a very sore one for Tipperary. But Claire, I, I think now, look, I, I think Claire probably particularly will didn't get a great performance uh, out of their half-back line uh, yesterday um, and will now maybe be coming up against certainly the second best, I would say, half-forward line in the game in the, in, in the Limerick half-forward line. So I think that could be the crucible now next weekend in, in Ennis. Uh, Ennis gives uh, Clare an advantage, obviously. Um, Limerick looked very much like a coming team, so I think it should be a great game and it's no surprise it's all sold out. Um, but, you know, Clare now have room to develop. They have definitely... You know, even after the next weekend, they've definitely, I would say, two more games. I think it's hard to see Carlo Westmead beating any of the teams in the top tier. So I think you, you've got that game, and then you've got a game then in the other quarterfinals. So a minimum now of three more games for Clare to develop in 2018. I suppose for a Terry supporter, that's the great conundrum. That's the great sadness. So there was elements in their there was elements in their game. Uh, there were elements in their game yesterday. It looked like things were maybe kicking a bit better, but yeah. I suppose ultimately they were done by the full back line. The full back line hasn't kicked all year. Yeah, as you say, I mean, I suppose, look, ultimately it it all came down in a way to that, that Jake Morris shot off the post. It, it, it goes in to almost certainly win the game. However, oh, yeah. Claire, the goal the goal that came at the other end, it only got back Claire into the game. It only got Claire back into the game. They still had to go and win the game from there. And the fact that... that was impressive. You know, yeah. they still did, had to do that. And the fact that it, you know, it, it went against them, for, it would have been pretty easy for Clare to more or less um, fold their tent after 25 minutes there and say, this isn't our day as well. And they hung in there and were in the game at half time. So I think when Jerry O'Connor talked a lot afterwards about not getting a perfect performance, but, you know, he said, look, the guy's gone away and dug into what it really means to, 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 to play for Clare. Um, there was that element of digging in. I think that was uh, they were almost more, almost more proud of that because it wasn't. It didn't happen for them on an easy day for them, you know. Yeah, yes, I think you, you can win games in, in lots of different ways. But I think yes, yesterday was a fascinating game. I think there were four or five different ways in which Tipperary could have won it in the end, and there was only one way Clare could have won it. If Jake Morris had hit the ball wide, if he had hit the post, and the ball had gone wide. If um, Donald Two he says out for sixty-five. Um, if the ball goes over the bar, if Carl Barrett had tipped it over the bar in the mm-hmm. lead up to the game, to the to the goal chance, that's I suppose very hard if you're a Tipperary supporter. Um, and then you know you've this extraordinary scenario where John Conlon does something brilliant. He takes exactly the right option. It's it's a sort of a 
45, 55 ball and he turns it into a sort of a 75% ball for um, Podge Collins. Podge then gives a sort of an 85, 90% ball to Ian Galvin and he does the business. It was an extraordinary passage of play. Um, Clare, I, I suppose I don't expect Samuel Beckett, but I mean, hmm. an awful lot of, of sport and, and, and of hurling in particular because it's such a fast game is keeping on, keeping on. And if you can be there, you know, with a live dog in the fight with five minutes to go, you've always got a chance. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I think maybe only two times out of ten would Clare have won that game yesterday. Maybe even one time out of ten. But like that sport, that's why people pay to go and see it. You know what I mean? It only happens the once, and it's what happens the one time in ten is as is as valuable as the nine times in ten. So Clare move on. Tipperary, a lot of question marks over the whole thing. Uh, I think Clare will improve. Um, I wouldn't be surprised um, at all to to see them in an iron semi-final, but they probably have a little bit of thinking to do about the defence. I was at the Clare Kilkenny League game in the spring and I was sitting with five or six uh, Clare people, um, just a couple of friends from Clare, and even though they eventually won that game, they were much less happy uh, going home than maybe I was because Kilkenny had come back from 11 points down and they felt, even that day back in the spring, they felt their half-back line was the key area that needed to get better. And hasn't got, it's got a bit better, but it hasn't probably got sufficiently better to make them real all-learning contenders at the moment. Sure. We might as well get on to the, to the bit that everybody uh, wants, to, wants to hear about today, the tip inquest. Uh, there's a fair bit of grave dancing going on out there. I, I'd imagine there's probably a bit of happiness in Kilkenny to see, to see tip out. Um, where do they go from here? Is um, Michael Ryan obviously afterwards was dejected, uh, but he, you know, he said he wouldn't be making any decisions about his future and all that. What? Where do you think? Where do you think it goes? Do you think there'll be a call within the county for him to go? Do you think he should go? I, I think it's to be, to be very arrogant presumptions, uh, presumptuous for anyone like myself and certainly anyone outside the county to be talking in those terms. Michael Ryan is given nine years now, uh, but he's shown at the wheel. Um, six years as selector and three years as manager. He was involved winning two All-Irelands. I, I, I think inside in, in Tipperary, and, and I think th- th- you know, this would be a valid, valid point of view, they would say that two All-Irelands with the clutch of players they had maybe isn't the sort of uh, return that you would um, say was was possible. And I, I'd agree with that. Um, but the only thing I'd say the counterbalance to it, and I'll come back to Michael Ryan's position, um, is, you know, a team arguably is good and maybe even slightly better, but certainly I would say it's good. The Warford team to 2000 has got no All-Ireland. Yeah. You know, and, and um, you know, they, they have got, they did get to, to All-Irelands. And I mean, I, I'm not in any sense trying to make a smart remark, but 50 years is a long period of time. And, you know, it, it's the 1960s since Tip got two or more um, All-Irelands in the one decade. So, you know, maybe 2010, 2016 represents only a moderate return, but historically, it's actually a very good return for Tipperary. You know what I mean? You can only hurl in your own tradition. Mm-hmm. So I, I think we'll be wrong to be too critical of the players. I mean, I think they were very unlucky not, you know, the first day, certainly in 14, not to beat Kilkenny. Um, there was only a, 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 a point in it with Galway, you know, the two two years in the other semi-finals either way. I, I tried to make this point, as as you know, um, one of the earlier uh, columns uh, this year, that there is a probably four-year life cycle in sport, and Tip were excellent, you know, 2014 to 2017. And what we may be seeing in, I think, some part at least, is the natural end of a cycle for Tipperary. Whether they can pick it up now again next year remains to be seen. Should Michael Ryan be the person trying to pick it up? I think if he wants to stay on, you know, that's, that's his decision. 
he he know to make make that call. But it's hard to know. You always hear things from the grapevine, but you'll always, when the county is not winning, you'll always hear a certain amount of negativity about the management set up. And you know, I think if you look at last year, it took an absolute wonder points in Joe Canning to be Tipperary. So you know, they're not very far off the pace. I have a funny feeling. Had they stayed alive yesterday, as they so easily could have, I have a funny feeling they would have been a serious threat in July and August. I think there were signs of that coming. So I suppose the Galways and the Kilkennys will be happy to see Tipperary gone, um, just out of sheer pragmatism. Yeah, uh, They probably represent, having won the All-Ireland, they've been very new winning the All-Ireland Greasers, they probably represent at the moment, after going at their best, probably a little bit bigger threat than, than Clare and Limerick. But Clare and Limerick may also be a different beast now by the time... August comes around, we'll, we'll see. Sure. But I, I think, you know, there, there, there are a lot of talented people, a lot of good coaches on the club scene in, in Tipperary. Michael Bevins, um, Willie Maher has been involved, uh, Owen Brislan. There, there are people with, with um, uh, you know, uh, a strong reputation as coaches. Probably the toughest job in, 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 in hurling and have, have they got an obvious manager on the horizon? Except Michael Ryan. Possibly people say Vivian Cal, but Yeah, like one one of the one of the theories or one of the narratives that's that's going around is that maybe in, in two thousand sixteen, uh, Michael Ryan had somehow uh, sort of achieved a, a perfect blend between the sort of Eamon uh, O'Shea style of hurling and his own, maybe slightly more direct, a bit more steel, um, and that now things have um, aged a bit too much the other way, you know. Whereas maybe before Michael Ryan, there wasn't enough directness, you know. That that's one of the narratives around. Do you, do you see? Do you see? And do you subscribe to that view? Now, we don't know, we're not there looking at training, we're not looking at what's, I 
think to be concerned after the Cork game last year in Munster with Ronan Mars, the pace issue at, at centre back. But it hasn't gelled, Larry, and I'm unfortunately the net result is it is literally back now to the drawing board and all sorts of levels for for, for Tipperary. But um, they, and it's hard looking like they've got guys like you know Willie Connors, um, Jake Morris, um, Billy McCarthy, uh, Gerald Brown. You know there is there is young talent there. Um, you know, there's Paddy Cadell uh, as well, looks promising. Um, but it's all front eight mm. stuff at the moment, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, they try different guys like Alan Flynn, the league. maybe he'll come again next year, but maybe we'll see about Brian McGrath, youngest of McGrath, but it's hard to pick out an emerging guy at the back for tip and the way you can pick out Jake Morris, say. Let's go back then to Saturday night. You were in Nolan Park, uh, Wexford Kilkenny. Um, John Fogarty is writing today that it's it's not the sort of it's not the type of, hur- of Kilkenny hurling that uh, people are familiar with, but the spirit is uh, is very much alive and very much the one that we are very familiar with under Brian Cody. Yeah, again, I, I concur with, with with John John's assessment there very much. Uh, the first half of hurling by Kilkenny. Uh, and 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 Wexford played some really enterprising good hurling to to contend their due. The first half of hurling by Kilkenny was as poor as I remember in a long, long time. You know, uh, it, it, there was no wit, there was no spark to it. It was it, it was kind of drudgery. A lot of it, we were totally outplayed um, by by Wexford. And um, you know, using the right we there, um, taking off my Kilkenny hat, I yeah. say, look, Kilkenny are doing as well as they can probably in 2018 where it will lead them I don't know they don't look like a lot of contenders at the moment uh, and it will be hard to see them beating Galway in the Leinster final uh, but the one thing is as you just said <laughs> they have this extraordinary just resolve and spirit and keeping going and it's kind of big Bacchetti in Northern. Um but like I watched it back last night the, 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 the Kenny Wexford game uh, and um, I think the the Porrick Welsh point where he can fly up the field and, yeah. you know, off his right hand side, which wouldn't give him his favourite side, tips it over the bar. That seemed to ignite something. Uh, because even when you were there at the stadium, it was hard to pick a moment when it suddenly all started to change. They did start getting on top and winning the middle third stuff, but, you know, it was also a case that I thought Wexford lost their, lost their shape. They, they started trying to run the ball out uh, from the puck outs. Um, difficult thing to do, particularly fourth game on the trot as everybody has flagged. Um, you know, I, I thought there was an element, I, 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 we, we remain to see how good is the Kikenny, current Kikenny team is. Uh, back is not, the defence is not maybe quite gelling the way he'd like. But, I mean, let's be fair to, to Brian Cody and selectors, I mean, to take three guys off you know, at half-time is a huge statement by a management team uh, in a game because it needs a bit of humility because to take three guys off at half-time means you're admitting that you've got the initial selection wrong. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's maybe a slightly new thing, like Cody, where people would have been a small bit amused at times is that maybe guys were left on, you know, over and above what they should have been over the years. Sure. Not too many of those scenarios, but there were some. Um so that was a new element in, in the Kilkenny management. And you'd have to say they got it spot on because the three guys they brought on and then the subsequent sub was introduced uh, in the second half. Liam Blanchfield and John Donnelly contributed really well. Um, so they'll get a great boost. And I suppose like Kilkenny is not playing classic, fluent 
continue hurling. But what they are doing is slowly accruing a portfolio for these young players. And they're now going to play in Leinster final at Croke Park. And I don't, no more than anybody else, I don't really see them winning it. I think they'll be doing well to keep it to sort of four or five points maybe, but you never know. But the the point is they're going to land into an All-Ireland quarterfinal where they probably... They're going to play Clare or, or, or Limerick uh, or, or Cork uh, in all likelihood, and um, they might, you know, start favourites. But I don't. I, I wouldn't see it as a game that's any worse for Kenny than fifty-five, forty-five. Maybe it'd be fifty-fifty. You know? mm, sure. So Kenny could end up in uh, a, 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 an All Ireland semi-final against Cork or Limerick or Clare because they're not going to be playing Galway in the All Ireland semi-final now. So again. If they got negotiated the All Ireland quarter final, Larry, again, oh, the All Ireland semi final yeah. probably at worst wouldn't be any worse than 55 45. So, you know, it could end up, <laughs> I won't say by default, but it could certainly end up in an All Ireland final yet. I would not put it past them. I would not. Um, but I, I'm, not, I'm not arguing now for that. Yeah, I know, you're, I know you're not. Yeah. Of events, but it's certainly anticipatable. Um, you, you, you've been critical enough of. Um, Davy Fitz's style of hurling uh, over the years, um, and I think uh, you, you wrote on Saturday maybe about how the lack of economy, I suppose, in in the play of Wexford will eventually come back to cost them. And in a way, I mean, you know, at half time it all looked pretty well for them on, on Saturday. But you you mentioned that Portugal's point and it being the turning point. But wasn't it? I suppose Wexford withdrawing back that allowed Portugal to to. Um, to surge forward I think Cody even made that point afterwards that Wexford withdrawing back allowed him up the field um, to make those kind of runs is that is that the, is that what the kind of thing you have in mind when you when you say that sort of style and it's lack of economy will that they that they ultimately will pay the price for it when it comes to the crunch yeah it is it would be no, it's a spectrum um, you, you would be uh, that, that I think you, you would be looking at but don't get me wrong Davey Fitz has achieved a lot in, in, in Hurling it's not a personal thing um, he, he won to All-Ireland um, with, with Kerry he's a very very fine goalkeeper uh, you know I, I just personally feel that you know when you're Hurling you're doing two things you're, you're playing an individual game on an individual day but you're also part of a campaign and that campaign in the first instance is a seasons campaign but for a team that wants to develop and become an iron contenders and he has made advances in Wexford and everybody acknowledges that and I'd be happy to acknowledge it as well but he also has good players you know he's plenty of, of uh, really good players but my concern when I talk about the economy end of it is you know I just try to make the analogy of driving a car 100 miles an hour uh, as opposed to driving at 60 or 65 miles an hour average speed yeah. you know the car is not going to stay in the same condition and you know we had there a few years ago we had Joe Brawley saying uh, and I like a lot of Joe's comments and everything but he, he came out with a statement that Donegal had beaten football <laughs> that, that, yeah. that, he, that he felt that you know they, they nearly wouldn't be beaten and this happens every so often uh, I remember a friend of mine who's keen on golf saying to me in the early 2000s Tiger Wolf Tiger Woods had beaten golf yes yeah yeah <laughs> I, it's, all, it's almost the same with uh, it's almost the idea with with Klopp at Liverpool as well in a way that they they, they found a sort of um, they yeah. found a system uh, maybe maybe That's an right. element with, with Guardiola as well like that they found a, a sort of almost a cheat they've unlocked something that uh, a code yeah. secret code but you're you're not a great believer in that I, I think no I just think you know sport is team sport is is, is 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 it's fundamentally about personnel and the personnel available but going back just to the lack of economy point. Donegal, and I was thrilled because a close friend of mine is from Donegal, 
curtailed a, just a savage training regime to actually have the fitness levels level to execute what they were doing. Now, I can, like, there's a lot of criticism, again, by Mr. Brody about Carlo's approach, you know, and this sort of, you know, again, Ulster coach uh, involves Stephen Poacher, this sort of negative. I, I do think if you look at hurling in the broader scenario, if you look at teams that went for various versions of running hurling, if you look at the Galway team of the, of, of the, the mid um, to late 1980s, one to all earns, but the idea was probably should have won more and kind of ran out of steam a couple of times, you know, 1986, 1990 against against um, Cork in the second half. The type of game they're playing, which is Moz running with the ball a lot, isn't economical. And it's not economical in the context of a 70-minute game, and it's not economical in terms of a three- or four-year, you know, mm. campaign for a team. Look, the Cork team of, of the mid-2000s won to All-Irelands again. Um, did a lot of very good hurling at times, but again, ran out of gas. You know, just basically I would say their approach didn't lend itself to being there for the long haul. Mm. And I think if you look at, and again, it's not in terms of Derek McGrath or ways in which I, I admire Derek McGrath, but I simply do not see the logic of playing with two or three forwards and having all these bodies back the field and then hitting it up to a forward where it's one on three or two on three or one on two. Sure. I, 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 I just... I don't see the logic of that in any in any sense, and that's not to say I mean Watford could have won the other in last year, but I mean again you take the scenario with as I tried to broach in the column, you take the scenario where you know you're playing with seven defenders and five forwards minimum, and you're chasing a six and seven point lead with a wind at your back. Again, I think that's a very uneconomical way to play Holland, yeah. you know. So, and I, I think I think history will show even if a sweeper assisted team goes on to win the other and. I think we'll show that ultimately probably not as much was got out of the group of players as could have been. But that's very relevant, of course. For, for one All-Ireland for, for a Clare or a Wexford or a Waterford is probably equivalent to four or five All-Irelands for a Tipperary or a Cork or a Kenny. So in fairness, that's a, that's a contri- contributory factor as well. Listen, that's great, Patrick. We'll leave it there. Thanks very much. A glossary of GAA terms. Today's term, pull hard. He's no relation. Hang on. Your father wasn't a third cousin once removed of my mother, was he? No? Grandson! Vigorous ground hurling made possible by no familial bond. For the very definition in evocative GAA coverage, read the Irish Examiner's team of experts for insights and precise analysis on all this weekend's action. Only in this Monday's Irish Examiner. We define the games that define your summer. All right, now we have uh, Owen Cormack, who was in the Gaelic grounds yesterday for uh, Limerick and Waterford. Owen, I was in, uh, I was in Turles, where both sides were, were keeping an eye on this one um, for their own reasons, but um, it, it, it was pretty evident that it was over more or less after 20 minutes. Yeah, um, even 16 minutes, if we want to be, if we want to be exact. Um, Waterford probably made a better start going two points to one up, but then... Shane Five, who had his groin on Friday night in training, management opted to roll the, do- the dice and start with him, but he was gone after four minutes, and then they conceded 2-6 without reply, and were 2-7 down after 16 minutes, and not alone was that game over, that was um, Waterford's season done. You know, they would stay next week, but um, their championship is no more. They're, they're finished for the year. Um, I suppose, you know, you, you'd have to ask questions as to, how Walford all of a sudden are, are 13 points adrift of, of Limerick. You know, fair enough. 
you know, there was the injustice of last week. There's been a litany of injuries, but they still feel that a relatively strong team yesterday and a relatively strong backup in the stand to come down um, when things when things got patchy. But um, I, I just can't fathom how they've regressed so quickly um, these last couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean that. I suppose that fives injury was another body blow on top of all the all the problems they've had. But as you say, they still had a, had a decent team on the field. I mean, they, they did talk a lot about the injuries afterwards. Um, Derek um, uh, dwelt on that aspect of it quite a bit. But I mean, they say they still, as you say, they've still slipped so far from um, all Ireland finalists last year. Yeah, like the half backline yesterday was with Brick Walsh, Austin Gleeson, and Philip Mahoney. Now that is, you know, that's a very strong half backline. No question about it. And, you know, they were facing Garold Hegarty, Kyle Hayes and Tom Morrissey, three lads with very, you know, not a huge amount of inter-county experience. Kyle Hayes is still a teenager. Tom Morrissey was under 21 last year. Garold Hegarty was under 21 in, in 2015. So the oldest of this bunch is um, is 23 years of age. The youngest is still a teenager. And they they went to town on Brick, Gleeson and, um, and Philip Mahoney finished with 1-5 um, between them and were involved in everything Limerick did well. Um, I suppose that was probably that was probably the main thing about this limit performance. <clears throat> you know, they just showed no fear or you know afforded no respect to these Waterford big names. Went at them from the first whistle and, and really made life incredibly difficult for these um, Waterford herders all afternoon long. Never, never let up. But as I said, you just have to wonder um, how it's come to this for Waterford. Starting six forwards, managed four points for plays. Stephen Bennett gone at half time. Patrick Kern gone at half time. Um, Jamie Barron, you know, um, really came off second best in his in his midfield battle. Keen Lynch and Darrow Donovan um, for Limerick again. Two lads who were under twenty one in the last two years won that hands down. Jamie was in the stand with um, six or seven minutes to go, um, so it was just a really, really sobering day for Waterford and a sobering last couple of weeks. Yeah, we'll, we'll come back to how, how good Limerick um, are in a minute. Um, but how was Derek afterwards? Is it very much um, is it very much end of the line kind of talk? He he seemed pretty downbeat I, I, in the no quotes. one no one to be fair put that question to him because you know out of respect they do have yeah. a game next week and I've no doubt no more than it was um, it was mentioned to Mick Ryan yesterday it, it will be mentioned to Derek um, next week when you know like, the book does properly close on their championship. Um, you know it's hard to know. Um, would you be tempted to stay on given I suppose? You can you can look at this year's championship with an asterisk in that you know with all these injuries you know there's a lot of what Waterford will reflect on the, on this championship with a lot of what if you know what if we hadn't lost Barry Collin, Tyke Deborka, Darry Fives, Noel Connors first day, what if Austin and Porrick hadn't been injured before that clear game you know if we got our championship off to a positive start could we have built on that so would that tempt management to come back for another year and kind of say well you know if we had our full panel we could be as competitive as we were in 2017. So maybe that's something Derek and his management will get taught to this week and we might get the answer next Sunday in Thurlis, um at around 4 o'clock. Among those what-ifs, I suppose, is, is what if we played in Walsh Park? Has that question been asked at all? Yeah, that, that, look, that's been mentioned, you know, a, a lot about home advantage. Um, I'm not so sure, um, you know, their, their league form in Walsh Park hasn't been fantastic. But yes, you can... You can understand, I suppose, just the convenience of not having to travel. I believe they stayed in the Radisson the last couple of weeks, even uh, the Radisson in Limerick now, um, even when they played Clarendon, as they stayed in the Radisson the night before. So you're on the go every weekend. You're hopping on a bus every Saturday. You're getting up to a hotel on Saturday evening, staying there Saturday night and, you know, preparing for a match away on Sunday. Whereas if you're at home, you know, I don't know, you can you sleep in your own bed, meet the morning of, of the match, 
does that make a difference? It probably does. Um, and no question, while the capacity of Walsh Park would have been the smallest, is the smallest of the, um, the five hurling venues, you'd still have a significant wall for sport, whereas yesterday they were just totally outnumbered. Um, a factor, yes, but uh, I don't think the overriding reason as to why they're, they're bottom of the pile this morning and out of the, the Munster Championship. And I suppose, you, you know, I don't know if there much point dwelling on too much because this is a reality they will have to face into next year as well. Yeah. Walsh Park isn't going to be ready. They're going to be back on the road. Um, so if they felt it was a factor for them this year, well, then it's something you know they're going to have to somehow address. I don't know how you do that, but they are going to be back on the road next year. Um, so, you know, they're not talking about it, but there's no point having the same discussion next year because they're going to be back on the road, so they're simply going to have to make do. That's unfortunate, probably a bit harsh to say, mm. but that's the reality of it. David dead rubber now next week against Cork, and um, Derek McGrath mentioned afterwards about. I mean, it'll be. I think Brick Walsh will break the the championship appearance record in that game. So he was sort of talking about doing it for for him and stuff. Um, and he said a strange thing actually about that they actually talked about this game possibly being a dead rubber a few uh, a few months ago, which seemed an unusually negative thing to, to bring up. Uh, but I suppose you could you could look at maybe they would have already qualified or whatever. But um, do you think they can really realistically make any kind of attempt to lift it again for that game? Very, very hard to see. Um, just going on the evidence of yesterday, where they were so far off the pace um, from so early on, and, you know, Cork now are chasing a monster final. So Cork have everything to play for. And, you know, while, while Derek, you know, talks about pride and, you know, I suppose fulfilling the, the fixture with due respect, it's very, very hard to see how they can lift themselves for that game um, and, and really trouble Cork. You know, they can't, you know, they can prevent Cork from from making um, a monster final, but it's, it's very hard to see them doing that. Um, you know, aside from Rick, yes, making his... Um, setting a record there in terms of championship appearances, they don't have much else to um, to look forward to. And I think, you know, their fourth weekend in a row, bodies are going to be even tired now than they were this weekend and last weekend. Um, so it's just very, very hard to see them raising a gallop. Sure. If it's all, if I suppose, all negativity around Walford, it's, it's only positivity now around Limerick. Um, John Kiley mentioned afterwards how he's sort of relishing this sort of new positivity and this confidence in, 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 in Limerick hurling. Um what is it based on? Oh, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm just looking back there at last week when Pat Ryan missed late on against Cork, and uh, you kind of felt other Limerick teams might have just taken that as the sort of the sign that it wasn't their day, you know. But they just responded immediately after that, and they took that sort of confidence into uh, into this game again by the sound of things. Yeah, um, I, I, I genuinely believe it stems from Limerick's success. I covered, um, you know, a lot of their games at minor and under twenty one level. Um, you know, 10 of yesterday's starting team now have at least one under-21 medal in their back pocket from either 2017 or 2015. So they're relatively fresh yeah. victories. And, you know, they, they, they saunter through those campaigns. They absolutely annihilated Wexford in 2015, beat Kenny by six points last year, could have beaten them by um, double that. There was Munster under-21 titles. There was Munster minor final victories. Probably should have won an All-Ireland minor in 2014. Um, and the confidence, I suppose, that you take from underage success, they've very, very quickly brought that to bear. Um, and they don't, they simply don't seem phased or intimidated by the, the step up. Um, Kylie made an interesting point yesterday that he's very much a fan of this system, that the old format wasn't doing anything for, for Limerick. They, they were stagnant within it, mm. and this has kind of shaken them out of their, their slumber. And because, I suppose, the team is so young, there's, there's not a huge amount of inter-county senior experience there 
So, you know, the old format was, was still in place. You know, you'd have these lads playing, you know, a Munster Championship match maybe in the middle of May. And depending on whether they win or lose, you know, you could be dormant again then for, for six or seven weeks. Sure, sure. But these lads are learning Sunday to Sunday to Sunday. And, you know, they just see the confidence um, and the graft of week after week. And they, they really do seem to be thriving within this format, um, enjoying it. The, the, you know, their athleticism, you know, there seems to be absolutely no sense of fatigue there because we must remember that they operated with 14 men um, for the vast majority of last week's game. That didn't seem to have any effect on them this weekend. And straight away after yesterday's game, John ruled out fatigue being an issue next week. And, you know, he's, he's right. I can't see fatigue being an issue um, next week. These lads look like they'd play every week if they were let. Yeah, how would you read that game next week now and how, how important is it? I mean, Clare, I suppose, winning yesterday almost was a bit of a deliverance for them. You know, they, they've they qualified now, um, but they're at home against Limerick and Ennis. How, how important is it for both teams to win that one? Massive. I suppose, you know, you, if, you, if, if you're both... Like, so they're into the All-Ireland series now. Um, so if, I suppose if you're looking beyond Munster, um, I suppose I, I, I imagine a lot of counties now are going to look at you know, trying to place themselves on the other side of the draw to Galway because nobody probably wants to. And I think that's a fair statement. Nobody probably wants to be going in an All Ireland semi final. Um, yeah. So you're looking to put yourself on the other side of the draw to make an All Ireland final. You do that by by winning Munster. So both of these teams are looking. You know, can I get into a Munster final? A victory, or well, for Limerick, a draw next weekend to put them into a Munster final. Clear need to win. So the first step is getting into a month final and winning that. So that's probably what they're looking at. Um, very, very hard to call next week. You know, Clare, yes, home advantage. But um, Limerick, Limerick played Clare in a Munster in the 21 final up there in 2015. The vast majority of, of Limerick players that started yesterday were on that team. So they've been up there before. You know, they played Clare in a high-stakes game and won it. So they're not going to fear going up there. Um, personally, I fancy... I fancy Limerick, but I think both teams will know the the you know the down the road implications. Um, that if we can get a win here, it increases our chances of avoiding Galway, and increases our chances of getting to an All Ireland final. And everyone this morning is waking up and thinking, you know, because Tip and Waterford are out, you know, here there's a, there's a massive chance for us to, to be present in Croker on August twentieth. Sorry, on Dan O'Connor here. I was wondering, with the new um, round robin setup in Munster, I mean, with Tipperary and Waterford gone out of it this early in the la- in the old system, it would have been seen as a pretty disastrous season but is it just the case that with with the new system there's going to be some teams that don't get the rub of the green and there's going to be two teams that are out of it this early and it's not as disastrous maybe as it was because there's always going to be two good teams who aren't going to make it yeah um, well in terms of rub of the green Waterford certainly didn't get the rub of the green now they weren't good enough either um, so they will feel you know they'll feel they didn't get the rub of the green most people on the outside will concur with that, but they'll also look at Waterford's performance and say they weren't good enough. In terms of disastrous season, that man there beside you will concur with me in saying it's been a disastrous four weeks for Tipperary. No question. Um, for them not to be able to squeeze into the top three in Munster reflects really, really poorly on them. So in that sense, yeah, it's a disaster for them. Had Wexford or Kilkenny been beaten by Dublin and not made Leinster's top three, a disaster for them. So, in some cases, you know, big teams are always going to fall. Um, but I suppose it's the nature of the fall that will um, determine whether people will see them as unlucky, didn't get the rub of the green, or in in, in Tip's case, just a very very bad couple. Of weeks. <laughs> they're they're all lining up to dance on Tip's grave this morning. Oh. I'll give I'll give you the opportunity as well. Are we going to be down for five years, ten years, fifteen? What, what's your what's your uh, estimate at the moment? Do you know what, Larry? 
if I was if, are we are we still recording? <laughs> if I was Liam Carson this morning, I'd be picking up the phone to some of them footballers um, after the draw. They're after getting them to see when they come into the panel for the Mayo for the visit of Mayo on a fortnight. <laughs> nice one, thanks, Owen. That's the that's the way things have gone. That's all we have for you in the show today. Our thanks to Patrick P.M. O'Sullivan and to Owen Cormack and to Dan O'Connor on production. You can download the show on irishexaminer.com slash papertalk or on iTunes or on SoundCloud or on Stitcher. Talk to you next week. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.